This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I have a fabulous addiction hack for you. Do it, don't do it. You're drinking, you're not drinking. You're low carb, you're not low carb. You're sugar free, you're not sugar free. Don't bother with compromise. So if you're on a diet, forget about cheat days because that just complicates the issue. So let's say, for example, you decided that you wanted to have a break from alcohol. Well, then just say a month, no booze, right? Not a month and then less booze, because every time you go out or if you're at a party or in the pub, you've got to make a decision. The brain is the most overrated organ. Much easier to go cold turkey and say, hey, for the month of July, I'm alcohol free. There's just none, nothing, not even a drop for Stephanie's birthday. Stephanie can do one. So it's really simple. You do it or you don't do it. You're welcome. Now, look, um, lots of things that I want to share with you today, which I'm very excited about. First of all, can I tell you about something that transformed my well-being, that gave me so much energy and had other health advantages? And that was not eating three hours before going to bed. Very, very simple. So imagine if you have your dinner at seven and you finish dinner by 7.30 and then you go to bed 30, 9 30, 10 30, you go to bed, go to bed at 10 30, 11 o'clock. That is a three hour period of time, a three hour window in which your body, whilst you're awake, has had time to digest that meal. And it means that you go to bed slightly hungry, right? Just a tiny little minuscule rumble in your tummy. Go to bed a tiny bit hungry, right? that the tank is almost empty. Imagine you're in the car and the petrol sign is bleeping going, you need new petrol. You're not quite run out, but you're getting low. Do that with your body. Do that with your digestive system. Don't eat for three hours before you go to bed. Go to bed. Just a tiny bit hungry. Just a little bit do you know what I mean? And it will honestly, it is a remarkable. It's a mic drop moment. So how did I come upon this solution? Well, let me tell you. Um, a lot of the stuff I'll, I'll advise in this podcast, and of course, I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Consult your medic at all times. But everything I talk to you about is a workaround that I've had to come up with because of a weakness that I've got. So whether it's motivation, because I can be very naughty about being unmotivated, I can be really disorganized, I can be chaotic, I can procrastinate. I do all these things which are bad. So this podcast is my box of tricks that I've come up with and borrowed from others in order to have a better life and to fix my inherent weaknesses. So the whole of this podcast is about me making a strength out of a weakness. I'll never forget my maths teacher at school. And she said that the reason why she's a good maths teacher is because she was really bad at maths as a kid. And therefore, she understood how to teach maths 
to stupid people like me because she was stupid. And I totally get that. So therefore, let me talk to you about why you shouldn't eat three hours before going to bed. Do you really want to overload your digestive system at nine, ten o'clock at night with a massive rich meal? And then you go to bed and you fall asleep. Just imagine that undigested food sitting in your gut and it's got to be digested. That is work for the body when you're supposed to be sleeping, when you're supposed to be recovering uh, and, and rebuilding your body. OK, your body is at rest when you're sleeping. It shouldn't be working. And that food, it lies in the gut. It's bound to decompose before it's fully digested. And you wake up in the morning and essentially your poor old digestive system has been hard at work. You want to go to bed a tiny bit hungry. So I happened upon this solution because um, for um, for a while, I noticed that I was really tired all the time. And there's a couple of things I did about it. First of all, I, I mentioned in a previous episode, I got my carbohydrates down. That's for another show. That's a previous episode. Do check it out if you're interested in my um, uh, experience of low carb, which I've stuck to to this day. But another thing I did is I thought, well, look, I wake up tired. I wake up groggy and tired after eight or nine hours sleep. This can't be right. So I tried not eating late, tried the early meal. This was at a time when I was doing a lot of stand-up comedy gigs. And you can imagine that by the time you've done a show and you get home, it's very late. So I was eating at midnight, maybe one o'clock in the morning, then going to bed, feeling rubbish the next day. Now, that's obviously a very extreme example of late eating. Um, so what I started doing is I thought, why don't I have a full meal at like six before the gig or 7 p.m. before the show? So I would have a full meal, eat as much as I like to satiety, absolutely stuff myself. And then I would go and do the show and I'd be in the car on the way home and it's 10, 11 o'clock at night. It's midnight now. It's time to go to bed. I've had dinner at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's five hours ago. So that's that is a five hour gap between a very rich, delicious meal and then going to sleep. So I started doing that. So I flipped it, the really early dinner and the long gap before bed, going to bed, slightly hungry, just and I would wake up the next day feeling incredibly refreshed, just like all is good with the world. The sun is shining, bursting with energy. I couldn't believe it. So I just did a bit of like, you know, what do you call it? Health hacking, I suppose, a bit of experimentation where I tried eating like later and then not eating later. And anyway, there was a clear difference between skipping that late meal and not in terms of how I felt the next day. So just eating early, it makes logical sense not to stuff yourself before you go to bed. I don't think it takes a genius to work out that you shouldn't go to bed on a full stomach. If there are practical issues for you, and, and I know there will be, because society is structured, especially sort of modern post-industrial society is based upon, you know, you're, you go to work nine to five or nine to six. And then the evening is when you eat. It's when you socialize with friends and it's when you uh, break bread with your family. And the problem is that by the time you've got home from work, you've done the commute, everything else. It could be eight o'clock, 830. It could be nine, couldn't it? So what do you do about that? How do you overcome that problem? That's why we eat so late. It's social. 
and it's it's the only opportunity uh, that you have um, in the context of work. Well, I would if if you're in the office till say seven, I'm going to suggest something really controversial, and and just do this for a while, okay? And this is for you. Your family won't like it. Your friends won't like it. But I want you to have dinner at work, okay? Before the end of the working day. So imagine imagine your hours are nine till seven. I want I want you to have dinner at six. Okay, so when you when you grab your lunch, grab dinner as well, and you have your lunch, and then you do a few afternoon, a few hours in the afternoon of work, and it gets like six six thirty. You're like, right, I'm going to have that early dinner now. Okay, so you have that meal at the office, and of course you're busy with your emails and you're doing all your bits and bobs, but you have a substantial meal then, <clears throat> and then you go home. Okay, and then you just have a lovely evening, and rather than the experience with your family being around food play a game together just have a conversation if they insist on eating why don't you just sit at the table whilst they eat and you don't have to eat why have you got to eat it's okay you know this is about you it's about your health it's your well-being um there is one compromise what i sometimes do because my family like to eat at about 7 30 so if i'm really sticking to my three-hour rule then they will have a full meal at 7.30 because I won't dictate to them. And then I will have a bowl of yogurt. OK, so at least they're eating something. And then I've just got like a bit of yogurt. OK, and that will be that's just at the tail end of my eating window is yogurt. Right. That's not hard to digest. It's light. I don't have to have much of it. Um, similarly, if you're going out for dinner and you want to stick to this three hour rule, then just have a very light snack. So you still have your meal. You still eat at the office at 6.30. But let's say you're going out for dinner with friends. You still go out, but just have a really, really, have a soup. Amazing. But a couple of things happened. So when I, when I started to not eat three hours before the end of, before going to sleep, I woke up, woke up feeling completely refreshed every day. But then another shocking thing happened. And I only noticed about six, seven weeks after I'd started this protocol. Okay. So I only did it to feel better and wake up feeling refreshed and not be fatigued all the time. But one day I was in the shower, stark bollock naked. And I looked down, careful, where's this going? And I thought, where's my tummy gone? My belly had disappeared. Now, I've never had a huge gut, but I did have the I was rocking the dad bod. I had the bit of the belly. I had that bump that a lot of the lads will know about. And the tummy was gone. This is six weeks after trying this experiment. So I'm feeling better and I've lost weight. And crucially, I've lost weight from the gut. The belly fat has gone. So obviously what's happened is that I've had my meal at 6.37. Don't eat another thing. Go to bed at 10, 11 o'clock. That's a three, four hour window. The digestion is done. The energy has been burned. And then you go to sleep with an empty stomach. The insulin is low. Insulin is the main fat storage hormone of the body. When insulin drops, you burn fat. When it's raised, you store it. So imagine going to bed at 10 o'clock at night full of food. Your insulin's high. You're going to store fat all night. But imagine going to bed just a tiny bit hungry, just the 
just a tiny bit hungry, a little tickle. Can you imagine? Well, your insulin's low, so you're going to burn fat. Those fat cells will open. You see, the fat cells can't open when the insulin is raised. That's why low-carbohydrate diets work, is because it involves getting the insulin down. Carbohydrates raise insulin. Fat does not. And protein to a much lesser extent. You're welcome. Anyway, I know I've spent a long time on this, but I think it's worth it because I just want to tell you how much I love it. Uh, Give it a try. Try it for a week and let me know how you get on. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medic. And therefore, take professional medical advice at all times if you change your diet or your lifestyle. And if you don't feel well, go and see the doctor. And by the way, if this solution um, has any kind of consequences or side effects, stop immediately. Um, we're just, we're just two points into the many points I've got for you today. Now, this is uh, a different, uh, idea, but actually it's not unrelated to my three hours. This is for you and someone you love. Now, have you noticed sometimes in life that you just want to go out, the two of you, let's say, and you and your partner, right? You just want to go out don't you? I want to go out. It'd be nice to go out. But here's the problem. You don't want to spend a lot of money because going out inevitably spends money, especially for dinner. Isn't that expensive? Going out to dinner is expensive. And then you think, well, we could just go for a drink. But it's like, well, do I want to drink? You know, because, you know, maybe it's one of your days when you're not drinking. Maybe you've taken my advice, which is, do you remember when I said just a few minutes ago, you do it or you don't do it? Imagine if you were having your alcohol-free July, but you still want to go out. What do you do? What is the solution? You could go to the pub and have a soft drink, but that's got sugar in. That's not good. So, And also, do you want to just sit in a pub drinking soft drinks? I mean, is there any point to that? Well, I've got the solution. I've got the fix. You want to go out, but you don't want to spend money and you don't want to drink alcohol. What do you do? You take your partner to a restaurant and you have starters only. You're welcome. It's absolutely spectacular. So what you do, you go to your favorite restaurant and you say, please, could we have the French onion soup and the steak tartare? And you just have your French onion soup. And you share it with your partner and you have the steak tartare and you share it. And if you're thinking you're going a bit wild, you could maybe just have some bread on the side with butter. okay? and of course, you order tap water. But that's two starters. Now, a starter isn't going to cost much more than an alcoholic drink in the pub. And you sit there, you enjoy this good food and you had the restaurant experience and then you pay your bill. And what is what's that going to cost you? Right. Two starters in a normal restaurant. That's probably 15 pounds. Right. And if you take your time and you sit there for a while, you've sort of had a night out for 15 pounds, maybe 17 pounds, 50. If you include the tip less than 20 quid. Okay, that's not bad. 20 quid for a night out. But I think it'll be less. I think, you know, between 15 and 20 pounds. You've had the restaurant experience. The waiter got you a table. You ate some good food that was cooked by someone else. And then what you do is you go home and you have your main course at home where there is perfectly good food in the fridge. Of course, if you want to be an absolute angel and my star pupil, you could just have the starters and then go home and don't have anything. Go to bed a tiny bit 
a little bit hungry. Anyway, there you go. But um, I love I love the starter trick. So my wife and I, we do that um, on a on an occasional basis when we, we fancy going out, but we don't want the expense of the restaurant. You just go out, you order two starters, you share them and then you go home. And by the way, it's not illegal. You're allowed to do it. And uh, I've got a local restaurant that doesn't do much business at six in the evening. And so they're quite happy to have people in there because you make the place look busy and they've got no problem with you having starters. Um, Sometimes I'll say, do you mind if we only have starters? But really, you don't have to because it's a bloody free country and it's a restaurant. It's a bloody business. They should be happy to have you there. But if you're feeling awkward about it, just say to the maitre d', do you mind if we only have starters? And I guarantee you the maitre d' will say, yeah, that's fine. And don't get sucked into desserts or any other little extra costs, you know, just stick rigidly to the two starters, uh, three starters, if you're feeling fancy. Keys are very confusing, aren't they? And the biggest problem is which key does what job? Very simple. Nail varnish. You varnish the key based upon a different coloured nail varnish. So, for example, if your main house key is yellow and then the spare lock at the back is green and then your motorbike key is red. You see where I'm going with this. Colour code your keys using nail varnish. Nail varnish is an excellent paint which will stay on the key forever. Wrapping paper. Never buy wrapping paper again. First of all, it's bad for the environment. You're killing trees. It's the most ludicrous thing to spend money on. And it's the most ludicrous environmental impact. It's not necessary. Use newspapers as wrapping paper and spend the money on the gift instead. Absolute game changer. The other really good thing about newspapers is they're nice and easy to tear. So therefore, it's uh, when the person receives their gift, they can. That's it. Do not buy wrapping paper. Let's use this show to end the business model of wrapping paper altogether. And by the way, I find it quite fun uh, to see what headline is going to be used for the wrapping of my son's birthday present. Donald Trump returns to the White House. Exciting. So look, there you go. Highly, highly recommended not to buy wrapping paper. It's humble to use newspaper. If you want to go a bit posh, you can use magazines because that's better quality paper it's color and you've got pictures of celebrities and things like that if somebody hands you a business card at a meeting or at an event photograph it because nobody has ever successfully um, picked up a business card like and then and then ever used it because you lose it or it goes into your massive stockpile of ignored paperwork when you receive a business card, you, you never know where you've put it. It's a complete waste of time. So if someone gives you their business card, take a photograph of it. It's on your phone. It's in the cloud and it's there forever. And you go, oh, yeah, that guy, I met him a, a month ago. I want to reach out to him because he might have a job for me. You just go into your photos and you'll find his details or hers or they them. What else have I got for you? A very good revision hack, which is so if you are a student and you could be, you know, 13, you could be 16, you could be 18, you could be at university. This is a great revision hack. 
During the holidays, that is your key moment, obviously, to like get through enormous amounts of work. But how do you structure your time? Well, I invented the most fabulous workflow solution. And it's to break your day up into three sections. Morning, afternoon, evening. And you simply study for two out of three every day. Total game changer. Uh, The reason I invented this is because during the school holidays when I was trying to revise, I found that, let's say it was Monday and I've been messing around and I've still not done anything by midday. I've been awake since eight and it's been four hours and I've done nothing and I've lost, I've lost the morning. I would become depressed and I would think that's it. The day is gone. The lunchtime news is on the radio and I've done nothing and the day is gone. And my head drops and I just think, sod it, forget it. I'll go to the cinema. So what I did is I decided that I'm allowed a third of a day to completely waste my time and not be productive. And I can just do whatever I like. I can be ultra unproductive. And what that meant is that those mornings when I woke up and found that it was midday and I've done nothing, suddenly there was no guilt because, well, that was my free period. Remember, you get one out of three off. So I'd get to midday and I think, I don't feel bad. I don't feel guilty uh, because the day is not gone. I haven't even entered the work window yet. And of course, now that I've messed around in the morning, my work windows will be the afternoon and the evening. And so once I happened upon this, I found that there was no guilt anymore for wasting time because actually I'd built the opportunity in every day to proactively waste time. There was a time wasting window in which it was my duty, my obligation to not be productive. Every day I had to piss around for several hours. That was the objective in order to achieve academic success. Total game changer. So what used to happen then is that if I'd had a lazy start, like I've had a lie-in, I couldn't really get myself going, I could enjoy it. I think, you know, it's 11 a.m. This is clearly the free window. Um, I'm just going to enjoy the next couple of hours and I'll get started at one or two. But then what I started realising is that it's nice to have something to look forward to. So I would tend to have the morning and the afternoon where I would attack it like a monster because I knew that I'd be rewarded at seven with a completely free evening. And then I can watch a movie or I can read a book. I can go out with my friends, go and have two starters with my partner. I could do anything. And then occasionally you mix it up a little bit and you think, right, I'm going to work in the morning. I'm going to have the afternoon off and I'm just going to go to a picnic in the park with my mates and dick about. And then I'll go back to work in the evening. But two out of three. Now, you might be chuckling because this little solution that I claim to have invented is the basis of the working day for most people because most people they work in the morning and the afternoon and they're free in the evening aren't they so yes i've not reinvented the wheel but i found that the modular nature of it where as a kind of freewheeling student i could sometimes have the morning free sometimes the afternoon sometimes the evening i enjoyed that and i actually started to put it in the diary i would have like the the plans i'm thinking tomorrow i think my free period is going to be the the afternoon. Here's what I'm going to do with it. So you just feel guilt free. It acknowledges my solution acknowledges the fragility of human motivation, the fragility of human nature, which is that we we need a break. Uh, we are inherently 
lazy, we cut corners, we want to mess around, we want to have a good time. And my protocol acknowledges that and builds it into your day. This, by the way, could work for anyone that's self-employed. So let's say you're stuck at home and there's stuff you've got to do. Well, just go for my modular, go for two out of three chunks of the day. And that's all you need to know. Absolute game changer. Couple of other things. Treat it like a hobby. It will pay like a hobby. Treat it like a job and it will pay like a job. Anything you're passionate about, if you work hard on it and you stick to it and you have a commitment and you put the hours in and you put the effort in, you will be rewarded with success. The endeavor that you have started will bear fruit. But if there's something that you're interested in that you're half-hearted about and that you sometimes do and you sometimes don't do and you're not committed, you don't think about it very much, you don't put the hours in, you cut corners, you approach it in a lazy, inconsistent way, well, then you won't get the results. Treat it like a job. It will pay like a job. Treat it like a hobby. It will pay like a hobby. Now, let me sort your life out. Your stuff has got to go. Human beings have an instinct to hoard, and that is because of survival, I suspect. It's like the squirrels hiding their little nuts in the undergrowth for the winter. It's human nature to keep things for a moment where they may be needed. And that's all well and good. But now in this world where we have so much stuff, we have a very consumerist society, we accumulate many more nuts than we can bury. And so our homes are just full of junk. I'm willing to bet that all of you have got too much stuff and you need to clear out. So what I want you to do is I want you to just get rid. Let's start with your clothes, right? Think how many clothes you've got. I want you to now get rid of, wait for it, 50% of your clothes. I want you to get rid of half of your clothes because when you have too many clothes, do you realize that the turnover of clothes you wear shrinks drastically? Okay, I found this out a while ago. I had too much stuff and I only wore a few bits and pieces that I could get access to in my wardrobe. The wardrobe's cram full of clothes right so where do you start so just grab the nearest shirt the nearest trousers the nearest socks and there was stuff deep in the back that I, you know literally completely forgotten i own so what i did is i had a clear out i got rid of 50 or 60 percent of the clothes and when i say got rid of of course you know that you can go to a charity shop flea market um charity shops will accept by the way uh, unwanted fabrics as well as unwanted clothes you might have relatives who'd like to have your stuff. You could even leave things in a box on the street with a note that says, take me, because one man's meat is another man's poison. And people will walk down the street and go, I like the look of that jumper. I'll take that. Thank you very much. The advantage of having a half full wardrobe is that you will you'll have a, an audit, a stock take of, of the clothes you actually own that you'd forgotten about. And you'll find that with half the clothes you will have double the variety 
in the outfits you wear. So you've got rid of half your clothes, but yet the people around you will see you wearing all different things. And like, oh, that's a nice shirt. Is that new? And you go, no, it's not new. It's just that I haven't seen it for three years because it's been at the back of the cupboard. So there'll be more variety. And, you know, it's all about being honest with yourself. Decluttering is about brutal honesty. Uh, that T-shirt, that hat, that shirt, those jeans. Are you really going to ever wear them again? You might wear them once in the next two years. That's not good enough. Those jeans do not have merit in your life if you're only going to wear them once in two years. So you've got to be brutal. It's got to be tough love. And you've got to get out of this mentality of, yeah, but what if I might need those jeans if dot, 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 forget about it. Cross over. If you need the jeans, then, well, then cross that bridge when you come to it. Maybe you're going to have to get yourself a pair of jeans. If it was so important, you're like, you know what? I kind of miss getting those jeans. But Dolan said it's time for tough love with your wardrobe. And I'm going to have to get them now. But I didn't anticipate needing them. But we our lives are full of objects that are there in case we might need them. You never will. You just won't. Um, I often think about the horror of your home uh, burning down. Okay, wouldn't that be a terrible thing to have a house fire? But if you think about it, if your home burnt down and all your clothes and all your possessions were completely destroyed, you'd be gutted, wouldn't you? You'd be devastated. But after a while, you'd be like, okay, well, I'll just move on. You know, you would move on. All you really need is your passport and your credit card. You don't need anything else. I mean, there would be a financial nightmare, obviously. But just in terms of all the objects, you would move on. And just think how liberating that would be to have an empty wardrobe and you get to start again. And if you started again, you'd have to really go slowly and not fill up that wardrobe. But I don't want you to have a house fire, but I want you to get the benefit of that kind of catharsis. So I want you to have a, a metaphorical house fire in which half of those clothes that you never bloody wear, they just go, forget about what if I'm going to need them. You're not going to, when did you last wear them? Be honest with yourself, be brutal. Don't be sentimental and don't be ridiculously, you know, worrying about the future and this and that. I promise you it works. This is important. You teach people how to treat you. Everything in life is about messaging. And if you've got a colleague, a friend, somebody that's abusive to you or that treats you badly, they're only doing that because you are allowing them to do that, because you set the boundaries. You teach people how to treat you. Now, if it's a very serious situation like the horrors, the appalling crime of domestic abuse, uh, that is outside of my area of expertise. Uh, that is complex. There is mind control there. There is violence. There is mental violence as well. If you're in that situation, you need to reach out to the authorities, to the police, to a counsellor, to your nearest and dearest, to loved ones that you trust. So this does not relate to domestic abuse, which is a whole different ball game. But I'm just talking about, you know, the boss that isn't very nice to you or the colleague that makes bitchy comments or the friend that just treats you a little badly from time to time. Well, in that context, you teach people how to treat you and you set the boundaries. And therefore, what you must do is you must train up the people around you 
to treat you the way you wish to be treated. Okay, it's your job to train them up. You've got to educate them. How do you do that? Well, with your actions. What you do is you reward good behavior and you punish bad behavior. So if friends treat you well, you message them and say, hey, thank you for this, or I really value you, or you're amazing. Uh, maybe a friend's been very kind to you. And next time you see them, you just give them a little muffin and go, here's a muffin, because I just appreciate uh, what you've done for me, what a great friend you are. Um, maybe you don't have to buy them something. You just text them going, hey, Steve, you're amazing. Hashtag just saying, okay, you are rewarding good behavior. People treat you well. It comes back and they'll be like, oh, I'm nice. I'm nice to Mark. And, and when I'm nice to him, good stuff happens to me. So you train people to treat you well. But if they treat you badly, then you must punish them. OK. And the way you do that first, first, you you can communicate and say, hey, I, I don't like the way that you're treating me. But the other thing you can do is you remove yourself from them so if a partner is not nice then you are colder to your partner or you don't speak and you're not nice to them i don't mean you're horrible to them but you just withdraw the affection and what will happen is after a few hours your partner will say hey what's up and then you can say well you haven't been very nice to me lately those few hours were not comfortable for that person. It's because they felt the consequences of their actions. They were being punished for how they treated you. And suddenly what they're getting from you is boundaries. You're showing them the boundaries. They went too far. They were rude to you at that party. And you're not speaking to them the next day. It's a consequence, you know. Now, I wouldn't weaponize not speaking to people because it becomes quite a blunt weapon. And, you know, you might want to seek the advice of a professional counsellor if it's a relationship issue. You know, I am not an expert in this department, but I know certainly in personal relationships that if someone's horrible to me, like if a colleague's really horrible to me, then that's it. I'm, I'm just like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, I'm not going to engage with you now. I'm not going to engage with that person and they'll feel uncomfortable and they'll be like, oh, I probably shouldn't really have teased Dolan and been horrible to him because now he's kind of like, he's cut me out a little bit. He's shut me down. And then what happens is when that horrible person then changes their behavior and becomes nice, well, then you reward that behavior and then you've trained them, you've taught them. So you teach people how to treat you and you're in charge of those boundaries. Before we go, a couple of quick things. Um, let's talk about my product of the week. And this thing is insane. It's not one of my cheaper products because I always like to see where we can have just accessible, cheap, lovely products such as coconut oil, which is an absolute game changer or whey protein or my wonderful raspberry Alberto balsam shampoo, which costs one pound. And it's bloody great. Look at my hair. Seriously. I beg your pardon. Um, so I've got slightly more premium products, but. Given the brand, given what it does, I think it's a bargain. And it is the Apple HomePod Mini. Okay. Now, this little monster comes in a couple of colors. Here it is in white, if you're uh, watching, but I can describe it to anyone that's just listening. It's, whoops. Hey, Siri, stop. Who is speaking? Whoops. Okay. 
Hey Siri, stop. Hey Siri, stop. Hey Siri, stop. Is that the world's ever worst ever demonstration? Right. So it's if you're listening on the radio, it's about the size. Just imagine a really massive apple. It's an apple product. Or a tennis ball that's 30% bigger than a normal tennis ball. It's like a massive tennis ball. Not a massive tennis ball. Just like a large tennis ball. But it fits in the palm of my hand. And it costs £99 at the UK in the UK at the moment. 99 quid. It's an Apple device. It is small. It doesn't have a battery. I like that. The reason being that this device will be forever. Any product that's got a lithium-ion battery and inherently has a shelf life. This is forever. It's a plug-in device. It will work in 30 years' time. There is nothing in here that will decay, leak, or die, or diminish in its performance. Um, I think it looks really good. It's got this kind of lattice finish on the outside. White is a brave colour in terms of stains, but you can get it in black, which is obviously better for the point of view of stains, but I, I just like the white. It uh, makes me smile. You've got the controls on the top, plus and minus, for the volume if you want to, to be able to use your fingers. But of course, being um, a HomePod Mini, it is um, it responds to your voice. The reason why I like it is because the sound quality is amazing. We actually have the full-size HomePod and we had it in the kitchen and somehow it was just too big. And when you played it, it was too dominant in the room. So my son's taken the HomePod. He's quite happy with it. And we've got a HomePod mini in the kitchen. And it's better because it's a room filling sound. But there's something manageable about the, the, the sound. It's just not overpowering in a room. It's got bass. It's got the treble notes. It's fabulous for vocals pop music classical uh, i would play you music on it but i don't think i can because of the podcast and there'd be like music rights and stuff like that but obviously it's got the siri functionality so you can talk to it you get it to you just say what you want and it plays it and of course very easy from your iphone if you're on your tunes or if you're listening to a podcast if you're watching youtube if you're watching or listening to anything on your phone you can just select the airplay and you can bounce it straight onto the home pod and then it will come out of there but room filling sound from a tiny beautiful device apple build quality apple aesthetics apple engineering 99 pounds i think it's a bargain i think it's incredible and if you're living the dream which i haven't um, you can have two and you can put them in different ends of the room and that would be stereo and i'd highly recommend that because one is amazing but I've got a good size kitchen. It fills the kitchen, no problem. Apple HomePod Mini, 99 quid. Not cheap. An amazing gift to someone that you really love, who's very important to you. And by the way, there are, of course, Android equivalents. Google do a device. There's the Amazon Alexa. But if you're in the Apple ecosystem, which I am, this is the product for you. I love it. I'm going to give it five stars. The HomePod Mini is insanely good. It's off the charts. And I can't believe that you get room filling sound and bass from a device this small. I've got a, um, I think it's called UE. Is it Ultimate Ears? Is that what it's called? Oh my God, I should know, shouldn't I? Anyway, I've got, I've got a, a much bigger Bluetooth loudspeaker, right? It's larger. And yet the 
sound from this smaller device is better. How did they manage that? How can it be smaller but better? Welcome to Apple. And let me give you a quick demonstration just to make sure it works. Hey Siri, play the Mark Dolan Way podcast. Okay, the Mark Dolan Way podcast now playing. This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul. Hey Siri, stop. Life hacks and... That's enough of that idiot. Um, how are we doing? Okay, I've just got one more little message for you in life. And it's inspired by the film John Wick 4, which I went to see recently. And it's very long and there's a lot of violence. It's just endless punching and stabbing, shooting and an overall narrative of human death and destruction and murder and car chases. Uh, it's quite a good film. And there's a very nice line in the film, and it is those who cling to life die. Those who cling to death live. Completely agree with that. It might sound bonkers, but the avoidance of danger is a very dangerous thing. The entrepreneurs who make billions are the gamblers, the ones who risk it all. And the reason why is because danger is their best friend. So jeopardy, the unknown, risk, danger, the risk of death, the risk of injury, the risk of getting your feelings hurt, the risk of losing your money. This is the essence of life and the essence of success. Live with danger every day and make it your friend. And that's the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've loved having your company. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>